Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer, currently in St. Joseph, Missouri. I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Now, last time we spoke, Michael, I was uh, sitting in the terminal at LaGuardia Airport waiting, uh, waiting to get on a plane. Um, and I was coming to St. Joseph, Missouri. I've been here for about the last week. I just wanted to explain why the background was a bit different than my usual <laughs> office setup. Um, mm. uh, so we, we, we came to St. Joseph, Missouri uh, in order to um, undertake catalog production. Normally, our freelancers come to New York City to help us produce our catalogs. Um, but with the current restrictions, we figured rather than have the freelancers come to the office, it was easier to have the office come to the freelancers. So I'm um, currently in a circa 1880s uh, Victorian home in St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, this week I went to the stables where the Pony Express kept their horses. And tomorrow I'm going to the offices of the Pony Express at the Patey House Museum wow. uh, in St. Joseph. So I just wanted to, again, explain the the uh, historic furniture and, and just a little bit um, different uh, background that than our uh, viewers or listen, well, our listeners don't know, but our viewers may be yeah. wondering about. Right. Right. Yeah. It so that's looks, all I got. I'm, I'm in basically long story short, I'm in Missouri instead of New York now. <laughs> and next time we talk, I'll be back in New York. Right. Yeah. You leave, um, leave tomorrow or. And now tomorrow I'm driving, uh, cross country or yeah. halfway across the country. Um, cause my car is here. Long story. Uh, so I get to drive. I'm going to make a couple of philatelically related stops and some non philatelically related stops. I'm planning on hitting Hannibal, Missouri, where Mark Twain is from. Hmm. Planning on hitting uh, Springfield, uh, Illinois, where Abraham Lincoln grew up, um, both of whom have been on stamps. There's your philatelic connection. Um, then I was going to swing by the uh, Lynn Stamp News and Scott Catalog offices outside of uh, Dayton, Ohio, and then hit the American Philatelic Society. Uh, oh, nice. Say hi to a couple of folks there on my drive through Pennsylvania. So it will be a, uh, a philatelic road trip home. Sounds awesome. So I'll, next week when we talk, I'll, uh, I'll I'll get you up to speed on all that, and maybe we can flash a couple of uh, pictures from the from the drive. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. I saw the photo of you in front of the the Pony Express stables. That that'd be a, a cool. Looking one to show way too happy, way too excited uh, to be <laughs> to be the Pony Express stables. But it was uh, that was that was really thrilling for me, especially because in our next sale we have a couple of uh, really significant pony express covers we have the only pony express cover addressed to the confederacy when it, oh, wow. after it had um you know seceded so basically it's a cover to a foreign destination even though you wouldn't normally think of it that way yeah. um and then a very neat pony express cover that was uh handed over to the pony express rider in fort bridger uh utah so normally they originated from the bay area san francisco sacramento northern california but this one was picked up along the way in utah which makes it kind of neat so to have those two covers in our sale and then be standing where they would have arrived in saint joseph 160 years ago um is is pretty neat uh if you got photos of those can we just like superimpose those we can superimpose those over the picture of me uh smiling (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i'd I'd love to show those yeah that'd uh, be fantastic yeah, if, if we have the uh, technological capability. Yeah. <laughs> if we have a we remedial... Use, you know what? Print it out and just mail me the photo, and I'm just going to try and take fa- it over I, there. I'll fax it to you. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. 
we so, can send, never mind. I was gonna say we can send it by pony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is all a very long way of saying who are we talking to today? Today Michael? we're talking to George James uh, from Stanley Gibbons. He's their director of British Commonwealth. George is, is awesome. Um, I've gotten to know George at a number of um, stamp events in Europe over the last couple of years, whether it's Stamp X or Monaco Phil. Um, George is, is uh, young like us, mm-hmm. um, is uh, incredibly knowledgeable, unlike me. Um, <laughs> no, George, George is just, again, uh, George is somebody, in addition to his philatelic knowledge and his prominence you know, at Gibbons, um, just a, a really great guy. To, I always... You know, I enjoy seeing him at a show and uh, always enjoy catching up with him. So it's been a while since either of us have made it over to Europe, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. for, a, for a stamp event. So it'll be good to catch up with him and, and see what's going on at Gibbons. And he also does these great videos yeah. that um, that I, I think are worth mentioning because um, they've really, I think, found a nice uh, little routine for, for keeping people informed. Um, again, not just sending out a, a newsletter or something, but actually a, a personable um you know, in front of the camera, uh, video series to, to keep yeah. us all up. Yeah. They show, I think is really great. They show a couple collections. They, they talk about the history of Stanley Gibbons. It's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty neat stuff. I definitely check it out. Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I think it would be great to hear a little bit about that and how they're using mm-hmm. technology to connect with customers when, you know, not many people can visit the shop on the strand these yeah. days. Um, so it, it'll be fun to hear, you know, Gibbons is synonymous with philately. I told a story last week about when I was uh, entering the UK when I was passing through customs and the uh, customs agent uh, asked me where I would go to buy a penny black. And I said, Stanley Gibbons. And then he believed I was a philatelist. So I think that proves that in the UK and and many parts of the world, um, Stanley Gibbons is synonymous with philately. Um, You know, it's sort of like we have Scott here in the UK and and former Commonwealth. It's Gibbons. So I think it'll be interesting to hear sort of an insider's perspective about what's going on there, how they've been handling the pandemic, but also just to hear about, um, you know, George personally, his, his own story within the hobby, I think will be really great. Yeah. How he got his start there and, and, and how it's been for him. What, it, what a day in the life looks like for him. I Absolutely. think that'd be pretty interesting. Well, let's bring him in. Yeah. Uh, here he is. Let's, uh, let's bring him in. Hey, right. Hello. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. The, this was, uh, this is great. Oh, no problem. No. It's nice to get the invitation. Appreciate yeah. it. Of course. How have you been? How 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 are things in the UK? How have you been holding up? How have the last uh, you know, eight or so months been for you? Um, it's been well. It's been strange, like us for everybody. Um, I, well, it wasn't handled very well over here, especially compared to European neighbours. So um, <laughs> it was odd having the sort of mega lockdown where you can leave your house for anything, but shopping was the hardest for sure. Um, but um, yeah, blessed in a way. I'm still working. Um, stamps are still happening, you know, because yeah. um, there's no real, there's no real justice to who gets affected and who doesn't. So just got to be grateful to still be, you know, happily working. And you know, you, you've got to deal with the inconveniences because in everyone's interest, really. So just try and yeah. stay positive, I guess. Can yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? What uh, when you got your your start at Stanley Gibbons and what what you do there? Um, how far back do you want to go? Uh, <laughs> well, no, let's go back to the beginning. Yeah, what, what, exactly. What's your first memory of stamps? How, how did you get wrapped up in this uh, crazy world to begin with? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Christmas 1996 is my is my start. Um, one of the Christmas presents that I got that year from my dad uh, was a Stanley Given starter pack. <laughs> it had uh, an all-world album, a pack of, um, you know, world stamps, plastic tweezers, a magnifying glass that basically left everything the same size, you know, all the, <laughs> all the stamp stuff for kids. Um, and that was sort of the first step. Um, I always, I always enjoyed it as a kid, but I enjoyed it in the same way as I enjoyed, you know, football and, <laughs> you know, aeroplanes and, you know, all, all the kind of kid stuff. So it was never sort of, I, I always loved it, but it was never a, I, I never thought of it, um, as a career. Um, what, in terms of how I got into it um, after university was I actually went to uh, a recruitment day for, cause I, uh, I'd always been interested. I'd um, dabbled really in stamp dealing while I was at university. Um, so, sort of, you know, it was, it was good beer money, but I still hadn't really looked at it as a career. Um, and then what actually happened is I went to a recruitment day and it was for, you know, banks, you know, just general career things, you know, banks, accountants, all that kind of things. And I came, I came back knowing that I didn't, I didn't want to work for anyone there or with anyone there. <laughs> um, and I was kind of like, oh, rats, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, so I wrote to companies I found interesting um, and I liked what they did. And Stanley Givens offered me a job in November of my final year. And yeah, I've been, been in stamps ever since you know very lucky so, really oh yeah certainly wouldn't change full circle really that kind of funny that's the company you ended up with that's the company that got you started you guys still sell the the beginners packets yeah we do yeah yeah, yeah. They're, still, they're still there uh, <laughs> i think uh i think it's slightly well the album's certainly been updated now right. uh, with modern country names um it's the, so there's the same sort of raw ingredients there you know a nice interesting album you know kids tweezers and you know almost off paper kilowatts it was all it was all i needed to get started um and yeah i don't think i don't think me or my dad thought it would lead to yeah is he a collector himself <laughs> yeah he uh it's a family of collectors actually so he he had a kids collection of stamps um but his, he actually collects uh, football programs or soccer, mm. as you call it in the States. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, we support a team called Bournemouth and he has the vast majority of uh, games that Bournemouth have played almost since the war. Oh, wow. Every season, home and away. Um, and he loves it. So the collecting collecting gene certainly passed out from my dad's side. Yeah. Uh, my mum... Doesn't have it. Um, doesn't get it. She used to threaten to hoover up stamps when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, you know, she's in, she's interested by it, but I can tell every time. You know, the stamp goes for big money, or you know, we handle something really important. There's the, you know, she's interested. She's proud, but there's still her. There's still a sort of frown of just why I don't understand. <laughs> So she doesn't, yeah. you know, she's super supportive, but she doesn't have the same gene. It's, not, it's all from my dad's side of the family, for sure. Yeah. 
so so you reached out to them and they you began working there. What was your initial position there when you started working at Stanley Givens? And uh, so the job title was philatelic trainees. I, I don't know. It was like a I can't yeah I can't remember the exact job title. It was something like junior philatelist, philatelic trainee. But it essentially, the the idea was that most most people who who start at Stanley Givens start work in the shop. Um, because it's a very good uh, way. The floor, to get... the floor, you mean? Yeah, so we still have the, the retail shop and it has yeah. all the books behind, you know, Commonwealth, you know, GB, you know, people come in and say, I want this SG number or show me your, you know, you know, bar two and whatever and you get the stock book out and show them. And it, it's a really good way to get to know, um, well, firstly, in, on a really junior thing, it's, handle stamps professionally and safely and you know you're not straight away handling yeah. tens of thousands of pounds worth of stamps with your inexperienced <laughs> mitts um and and also because of the inquiries that come in through the shop um it gets you to know the running of the company in terms of you know auctions catalogues publications retail uh, all the stamp album range it gives you a very broad um knowledge of the customer base what the company does who does what um so i started in the shop and then went on a tour of uh, all the different departments um so i worked for little one in auctions uh, my first office at stanley gibbons i actually uh, shared a folding table in a cupboard um, <laughs> uh, with a, a lovely man called david flint um it was very uh it wasn't the office it's since been refurbished twice actually but at the time it wasn't uh designed for the number of people they had working there so uh, we literally uh it was in a load of racking of all the auction boxes and we just had a, a table pulled up with two pcs sat pretty much side by side and um described described stamps for the postal auctions you know in that in that tiny room so and that was my first sort of proper stamp describing job was uh, in auction department and then in the end uh, a lady actually retired in um, Commonwealth department because a man who was a managing director at the time called Richard Watkins who offered me the, the job there it was sort of a Commonwealth almost sales slash um, describing role there and um, I, yeah I ended up taking that so the idea was to get a full apprenticeship in all departments but in the end because that job came available and I Done, I'd done all right, I guess. I, uh, I ended up taking that job. Yeah, yeah. You t- you touch on something that I think is interesting that maybe us Americans can't really grasp as fully. In that Gibbons is everything from a a catalog and and publications company, and a retail storefront, and an auction company, and they produce album pages. That you really have your your um, hands in in every facet of the hobby versus the states where it's a much it's much more um, segmented and, and segregated, I would say. Um, wh- what is it like being surrounded by, and, and how much interaction do you have with the catalog staff, with the retail? So I went to the retail storefront a couple of years ago, and that still seems like a yeah, rite yeah. of passage for a stamp collector. That you know was was really <laughs> yeah, exciting yeah. for me. Well, what, what what is it like you know, again having so many different um, segments to the company under under one roof? So it's um, it's a huge asset, and it allows. Um, allows you to get a very very in-depth and rounded view of the hobby so a lot of the 
um, as you say, a rite of passage. It's not just going through the shop for a lot of the traders who have stands at, you know, Stampex and the international shows. Um, you'd be amazed at how many have at one time worked at Stanley Gibbons in one capacity or another. Um, but the there's a lot more link between the departments than people realise. So obviously a lot of our retail customers in Commonwealth departments buy albums from us. So you need to know the range and what pages they want. Um, naturally, there's a link between one of the best things for customers at Stanley Gibbons is that actually when people come to us with stamps, sometimes we can give them more money than they get in auction just by buying it straight away because we know someone for it. So it's a quick turnover for everybody. Sometimes it goes to auction. So there's always a huge link between, um, you know, especially auctions and retail in terms of what's best for the customer. And then in terms of the catalog staff, um, the pricing is actually done. Not many people know this, um, but for, for the really important um well, they're all important, but for the for the core business that we do is the stamps that are in part one or the Commonwealth catalogue, which I'm sure <laughs> you, will, you will use. Um, but all the pricing in that uh, is done by the Commonwealth team, not the catalogue department. It's done by people who actually buy and sell stamps every day. Huh. Um, so it's, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a monumental task every year, and it takes yeah. months and months. Uh, um, literally almost done line by line, um, uh, but as so we have all departments are very very closely linked and generally work very very closely together certainly much more so than most people realize and, and as you say it's uh, we get asked that question a lot especially by american clients because there's nothing comparable over, you know on your yeah. side on yeah how many people work there if i can ask that <laughs> so including baldwins which is our um we have a a numismatist uh, coin company that work with us as well. I think it's about 65 um, approximately. And we yeah. have two sites. So we have a warehouse down in Ringwood and they that houses the catalogue team, um, the publications. So all the, you know, the albums and accessories. Um, yeah, there's, there's two offices. But I, I believe it's about 65. Um, but... Um, Hopefully, when this goes out, you know the CEO's not. So yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a scientific. Uh, you know, I, I think it's about sixty. Yeah, sixty-five, something like that. Yeah, that's great, and that's great that there's so a much. A company. I was just going to say. I'm sorry. T- I, th- I think there's a lag. You go ahead. Oh no, then <laughs> I was just going to comment on how fantastic it is that everybody works together really and it's not just segregated that you can keep all those parts talking to each other yeah so it's certainly under under historically it's caused a lot of problems um at stanley Gibbons that departments weren't working together closely enough um and it's something that the current owners realize the importance of that they've really strongly encouraged and it's it's to everybody's benefit both you know internally and in terms of you know what we can offer customers as well so um it's it's certainly a huge asset that we can offer you know whatever solution for the client you know straight sale you know um auction whatever you know even private treaty things if we can't you know and it's that clients really um value that surface of that you know um it's a huge asset and that's why it's why the the current owners when they took over it's something they really pushed to you know you know, make uh, make everything more streamlined, get everyone working together, um, and stop that sort of uh, silo mentality that had been allowed to not uh, build up, but 
just the way the processes were in the in the sort of old days it was sort of slightly adversarial between the departments which isn't mm. which wasn't wasn't healthy and it's something that they immediately broke down on taking over yeah obviously the hobby's been shifting more and more online over for the last decade or two. But for a company like Gibbons, I would imagine that foot traffic into the store is still very important. Shows like London 2020 or StampX are very important. How has it been for you during the pandemic um, not being able to meet customers face-to-face as easily? And what have you been doing? You know, have there been projects that maybe you had considered before uh, the pandemic that now got pushed to the front of the line? Or have, have you been um, you know, brainstorming at all how to adapt to um, you know, certainly what is, what is going on right now and what may be the new normal moving forward? Uh, yeah, so it's certainly, it's certainly been a challenge. Um, it's just, I smiled when you asked about projects because I actually, I was on my way to the, I was on my way to the international in New Zealand, um, when it all, um, you know, the lockdown happened and I, I, I was, briefly stranded in australia which is a lovely place but not when you've got one suitcase and some stamps with you um it certainly didn't feel like a holiday so yes it changed our plans all the client visits that i was planning on the way back couldn't happen because obviously borders were closing um obviously a lot of those still um haven't happened um so the plan was to fly back from new zealand via two or three clients and go and see them so that's been the biggest challenge is not being able to go and physically see large collections. Um, obviously rules change all the time and collectors are understanding, but uh, certainly there's challenges doesn't even cover it. There's people that I used to go and see almost every month, but now um, because, because of whatever health conditions they've got or their COVID rating in the area, you know, now you just can't. So um it has it has certainly changed the way we work. Um, retail side, um, re- retail side hasn't really changed what we do. Obviously, is less face to face, but a lot of our initial, in fact, most of our initial contact was by phone uh, or email. Uh, anyway, um, but well, as you as you both know, stamp shows are, are hugely important for you know. Know, even new clients uh, sitting down and talking to your oldest clients for many years it's um it's, it's been a huge loss um, and uh, yeah it's uh it's, it's tough but i don't i don't i don't think it'll be forever and i think um i think most people i hope most people will be able to adapt in the short yeah. term yeah so how do you balance the the auctions between the retail store between the catalog how do you the team that you're a part of in the british commonwealth mm-hmm. just you guys how do you balance what goes where and and what time you dedicate to the catalog compared to what items you send to the retail store what items you just dis- so each department has uh, so the philatelists there are a team who do the, just just the auctions that's the, they describe for auctions. It's their job to deliver however many auctions a year. You know, um, uh, you know all the all the execution of that is, is their responsibility. My Commonwealth team. It's our core responsibility is is retail sales. Yes, there's transferability, but that's what we are judged on as a department. Um, but 
naturally the the overlap comes where you know we took a collection in last week where we said actually you know we can buy this for much more than you'll get at auction straight away but the rest will put in auction um because we think you know you, you might do better there you know or it's close um so there's uh each team has their own responsibilities and then the other thing is uh we have um for example when foreign material comes in we have a a colleague called Michaelian Auctions, who's the best expert for it. Um, a lot of obviously the really specialised Commonwealth material, um, we're better placed to describe and assist with it. So we help auctions there. So it's um, it's almost a sort of horses for courses thing in terms of you know what's best for the material, what's best for the client and the company. So it is it generally comes uh, it's generally quite an easy decision as to who does what, who who does what, um, but in terms of like how it doesn't overlap and become a three, four mess, it's every team knows what they have to deliver each year. So um, it's just how everyone can help each other in a way. Yeah. It's very, it's very collaborative, certainly in a way that it wasn't when I started at Stanley Gibbons. How long ago did you start? Goodness me. I was, <laughs> what would I have been? Nine years ago, I think. Hmm. Um, nine years ago. Um, and then I, I worked at Spink for uh, two and a half years, I think, in the mid-period and then, and then came back in the end, yeah. So, um, yeah, nine years since I started, but I think about three years since I came back to Stanley Gibbons. Yeah. For you personally, what do you get most excited for to cross your desk? What colony, what era, what, what is it that that um you know really gets your gears going when you when you're breaking down a collection or writing something up what's what's your own personal uh you know what are you looking for uh there's there's a there's a number of prongs to that uh, <laughs> so the thing i get most excited about is when i've not seen an area before so if uh say a collection of a country that i've not handled before you know there's um or you know something i've not seen before or you know something where i can actually learn long term uh you know something valuable and that add to my knowledge so that's that's absolutely the most exciting thing for me is when i look at a collection and think i don't know um and it's actually the reason that i love working in retail is because in auction if you don't know you don't need to know precisely because you can put an estimate on it you can fall back to extensions, for example. Um, and uh, you, you, of course you need to know. You need to know if something's genuine. You need to know, you know, roughly what it's worth. But for retail, you need to... We Stanley Gibbons uh, offers a lifetime guarantee on everything they sell. So you have to be... You can't sell something and then send it on an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't... You know, everything we offer um, has that... You know, if your grandchildren find out there's something wrong with it, Stanley Gibbons will refund it. Um, and um, that means that you have to make absolutely sure you know exactly what you're selling before you sell it, um, which is a high standard. And it's it's often really difficult, um, but it's a challenge that I love and I relish. And it's um, and I know my, my colleagues do as well. Um, it's, it's certainly the best part of the job is knowing that you have to hold yourself to that highest standard. Um, 
but in terms of what what colony or what material my uh passion in philosophy has always been revenues um so i collect and ex- exhibit uh, salon revenues um and commonwealth revenues in particular have always fascinated me um i also do a lot of uh, great britain revenues um, i publish articles eventually i'd like to uh, publish catalogues for both Salon uh, revenues and Great Britain revenues um, but it's so time consuming to write those in in a, they're both fairly advanced projects but getting that last 10% done takes longer than the, the opening sort of 70 or 80% you know once you get down to the real brass tacks especially for a catalogue listing so it's very one day they'll be finished but uh, <laughs> You know, I used to say, "Oh, I'm writing books," but two years later, they're not—they're not still not finished. I just say, "You know, one day I'll finish it." Um, so yeah, the um, revenues always appeal to me, and um, just because there's so much research still to do in that area, the catalogues that exist in the area, the prize catalogues that exist in the area, are especially this side of the pond. This is this is a, this is a place where you guys are way way ahead of. Um, Europe in terms of revenue pricing you've, you've had the US revenues in Scott there's an established market for it um, the catalogue is it the catalogue depth and detail is at a level that by comparison what we have over here is just laughable um, in many areas particularly when it comes to pricing there's there's a stamp in my own collection that I paid you know two and a half thousand pounds for which is uh, there's a main um, revenue catalogue over here and it's priced in there I think at 50 pounds so wow <laughs> um, the, the the pricing over here needs it, it does need um, updating and even for European revenues the last um, the last major catalogue was published in I think 1918 4 bit so we're sort of 100 years literally 100 years behind you guys on uh, on revenue pricing so there is a sort of a uh, fantastic amount of research and things to find out about it um, I do a lot of uh, well I spend a lot of time with the Revenue Society here in the UK there's all sorts of exciting uh, projects and publications going on for various colonies, countries um, they're at the forefront of most of that research they do really interesting uh, talks and meetings um, well online now they used to do meetings um, but that's that's always been my core passion is revenues and then in terms of if I could pick something to do every day, my sort of third prong of that question, I love uh, Japanese occupation of Malaya. It's my mm. favourite favorite thing to describe. The challenge of the chops and the forgeries and the shapes of the characters, the um, even the history behind it. Well, I've always been fascinated by World War II and um, any sort of documents or social history that goes with that kind of material um has always has always fascinated me so yeah jackpot and revenues is the two favorite things but if it's something that i've just not seen before that's probably the best of the three yeah why do you think the the revenue cattle catalogs are so far behind is there not much of a a market for for revenues revenues over there there is now revenues have a bit of a checkered history here so revenues historically were absolutely uh, 
huge. There was uh, early on, there was a journal called uh, Morley's Philatelic Journal, just for revenues. Um, there were major revenue dealers, um, and that all lasted until probably the 20s or 30s. Now, at some point, a lot of revenue issues started. Um, well, usage of the stamps declined in um, particularly in this country. Um, the later you get, it's the revert with revenues. It's the reverse of normal issues in that the later you get it, for GB revenues in particular, the scarcer they are. So most George VI and Queen Elizabeth revenues are much scarcer than Queen Victorian ones because the usage has declined to a point. So I think usage declined. I think the I'm not actually sure why, but the reputation of uh, revenues declined. I don't exactly know why, but I've got um, in my grandfather's album, which I've inherited, it says, you know, it's like advice for the collector at the front. It says, you know, don't fill your album with revenues and tobacco labels, you know, stick to, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, even advice to collectors was just, just ignore the stuff. Um, hmm. the market's rapidly catching up now um, because in particular for Commonwealth and GB I suspect this is true for, for other countries other European countries as well um, but I, I don't have the same depth of knowledge there but for, for GB and Commonwealth the designers were the same the printers were the same the depth of proof archive material is the same you can really tell a complete exhibit a complete ex- story with what survived so things out of the Delarue archive the revenues are often more spectacular than the stamp material because they're larger format issues. They're um, there's sort of a myriad of different uses. Um, obviously, revenue documents usually have the, the story of their use on them. You can calculate the rates very easily. There's a lot of really actually quite amusing revenue documents out there. I mean, there's a Nyasland document, which I've got somewhere, where there's a paying a fine um, and there's a transcript of the court case on there and the guy was accused of stealing a blanket and some shorts and he turned up to defend himself wearing the shorts he was accused of stealing <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, fine. so there's there's also and there's you know absolutely you know, there's things like opium tax things that just blow your mind nowadays hmm. um, you know printed printed revenues for opium imports and things like that it's, uh, so but people are definitely caught up but historic, historically I'm not I think their reputation is gone. The other thing is, I think when you look back, particularly at South American issues, I think a lot of South American countries at the time, we're talking probably 40s, 50s, used them as almost a money-making exercise. There's South American sets from the time with 60 values all in different colours. and <laughs> You cannot possibly have needed that many. And I think that, that you no, know, in the same way that new issues of, you know, some people say, you know, trash the reputation of some post offices and countries, new policies and new issue policies. And all that. I think they started to get, it might have started to get that way with revenues. Um, and it took a long time for the market to recover. But the Revenue Society in Great Britain, I don't, I, I believe I'm right in saying it wasn't actually founded until about 1989, 1990, something like that. Wow. Very, very late adoption. But um, I can tell you as a collector that, people are certainly catching up because things I used to be able to pick up <laughs> for nothing years ago. Those days are long gone. Absolutely. Double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. As people have realized, uh, you know, there used to be 
the end of a lot of, you know, even single vendor auctions, people at auction houses you just lob the revenues, fiscals in a box and just put, you know, box of revenues. Hmm. You know, and no, not not nowadays, um, which is good. It, it is good. Yeah. Uh, you know, from a selfish perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I, I am really pleased um, that it's... Um, is caught up um, or is catching up at this this side of the market. I mean, the next the next step for certainly Great Britain and Commonwealth is to get better research and cataloging. And there's a lot of people over here um, doing incredible work with this. Andrew McClellan, in particular, for Commonwealth, has an amazing um, website called Rev Revd.com. So he's a he's a vicar who collects revenue. So he's the revenue reverend. Uh, <laughs> And there's REV, REVD, and he, uh, he, he's got amazing collections and he, he does phenomenal listings um, for Commonwealth and they're the, the best of their type. Um, but even, even those aren't priced. Um, so we're getting there slowly um, and it, it needs to catch up. But um, yeah, I wish, I wish I could give you a better answer. Uh, no, that, I mean, that, that perfectly explains it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's all. It's always been a mystery to me. I remember when I first started collecting. I used to think, you know, how is, you know, Delu Archive die proof from eighteen to seventeen? You used to be able to pick them up for sort of, you know, one fifty, two hundred pounds. It was, and any postage stamp from the same period was four or five hundred pounds. It never made any rational sense to me. You know, just just as stunning as the others. Yeah. And, you know, even you could Persian rug has always been in the states. It's like a hugely yeah important item for generations and then you've got things that can not probably Persian rugs iconic and of such a design and high value but you've got you've got certainly got comparable things in Commonwealth which are spectacularly rare very very beautiful wonderfully printed that just didn't have the same appreciation and there's 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 no real logic to it in many ways Mm. yeah it sounds like they're getting there though which is great for the hobby yeah, absolutely. Buy them fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. Uh, yeah, even even if you look five years ago to today, it's um, it's amazing how fast it's coming on. But when you look at it at sort of macro level, it's amazing how slow it's or how long it's taken and how slow it's been overall. So it's something yeah. like that, and then you know, fl- flown up in popularity in recent years. But it's a good it's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody, really. Speaking about price changes and, and and habits of of collectors, have you been seeing anything since the pandemic started? Any any buying habits changing in the in the clients that you deal with, or or any of the new material coming in that's weirder, more different than material you would have seen before the pandemic? The big. Um, the big change we've noticed is the strength of uh, auction bidding. Some of the realizations we've seen in the market in the nicest possible way, because I know people just want what they want on the day, but some of them defy a rational sense. Right. Uh, in, and I think it's because people are at home, they're more in tune with their wants list. We've certainly had a lot more wants lists. People have got more time to spend with their collections, which is, can only be a good thing. Um, but some of the realizations we've seen in our own auction um, compared to even 12 months ago have been significantly higher. Um, also, when we're, you know, bidding, bidding on auctions, you know, for clients or whatever, some of the realizations for material that often isn't 
yes, it's rare, but it's, it's you know material you can pick up if you're patient enough has has been significantly higher than, than pre-pandemic levels. So um, the strength the strength of the market. Uh, you know, I mean, we were all worried at first about the market, but the the the, the strength and depth of auction bidding has been phenomenal under under the pandemic con- conditions. Um, I don't think there's been a change in the material, uh, but I think again, from a philatelic perspective, the fact that people are at home, it is a sedentary hobby that you can do. You know, it's a it's a COVID safe hobby, isn't it? Stamp collecting. Yeah. It's yeah. in your own house. You know, you can do it online. You can get your post. You know, um, and uh, I think for that reason, you know, I know a lot of the, a lot of my things I love to do. I can't do anymore, and I've spent a lot of time, more time with my own collection. Um, so I think you know, it's easy to explain, but the market's been very strong throughout. Yeah. Certainly do you think that's the, the main, the fact that people, that it's a COVID hobby, that's the main, um, the reason that the, you're seeing this in the prices and the, and the want lists, or do you find people who are looking to almost use it to diversify portfolios with better individual stamps or, or. I don't, I don't in, think so. We haven't. I don't. I don't think it's. Um, I, I. I don't think there's any investment driver. Yeah. Uh, personally, certainly not this side of the pond. Um, I don't know what it's like over there. Um, the the real, the real things that I can't, I can't get my head around are, we've seen. Uh, stamps of quite poor quality sell so for quite high prices. Um, that that is something I can't explain. So we've seen stamps that are toned, creased, you know, damaged in some way. Um, go for high percentage of, you know, very very strong realizations for for a nice copy, um, let alone a toned one. So I don't I don't I don't, I, don't, I can't the impatient side of that. So things catalogs in a sort of catalog prices in a sort of, you know, two to five thousand pound range where. Yes, major rarities, but major rarities, which if you're patient enough, you can almost always see a nice one within, you know, 12 to 18 months. It doesn't, that, that loss of patience, I can't explain, um, and isn't rational. Um, and I think it's just people want to almost strike. I, well, I say I think, I'm, I'm purely speculating because I, I can't, I can't rationalise it myself, but I think people are almost trying to strike while the iron's hot and they're on it and they've got the time to real really make progress i think they're maybe tolerating lower condition standards but i don't i don't i certainly don't think that's a good thing um and it's certainly in the case of buying damaged stamps it's not it's not money they're going to get back <laughs> yeah um, which is why I, I can't rationalize it um but yeah it's uh i just i just think it is because it the price is i, I think is, is such a covid secure hobby that it's popularity or well, I say not pop, maybe not popularity that the amount of time people could spend on it has risen significantly um, and I think that's shown in the interest in you know auction uh, in particular auction realizations yeah have you been um, changing the way that you do value things in the retail shop I know Charles said he'd he'd been to Stanley Gibbons the 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 store before but I actually even though I was I was born in London I, near Stanley Gibbons I left before they handed out accents but I'd never actually been on the floor have you changed your pricing accordingly in the retail shop do you or is that the final 
you, you put four thousand no, pounds. No. That's the final price. No, so pricing wise for the, the retail shop, the prices are the prices are what we sell are updated uh, at least annually. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, and also I don't think if we if we've done it already for COVID, we would spend our whole lives changing prices. You yeah. know, there's, there's millions of stamps in the shop, so it's not something you can just be like, oh, you know, put that one out now, you know. Um, yeah. So are you seeing things I'm sell? Like hard enough doing a 700-page catalogue every yeah. year, once a year, so reacting to individual events. But actually, um, there, there, hasn't, there hasn't been a huge, um, a huge change in... Uh, Commonwealth levels so because it's looked at regularly enough anyway we haven't changed specifically for COVID basically Mm -hmm. Um, um, but but things aren't just flying off the shelves in the in the retail store so to speak uh well it depends again we said we sell such a broad amount of um uh stock that some areas it's it's always the same some areas fly out as soon as it you know you know we had I told a client last week he sort of broken a company record because someone had been on the website. I think it was literally ten or fifteen minutes, and he rang up to buy it. <laughs> um, you know, but then then others don't. But it, I mean, in terms of the retail store, um, you wouldn't believe what London is like under at the moment. The footfall on the Strand, where we're based, is I wouldn't like to say, but it's uh, it's, it's still eerily quiet. Um, a lot of the footfall, footfall on the Strand used to be from office workers. Um, and uh, you know shops, banks, all that kind of thing, and they're just they're just not open at the moment. Um, so the retail store doesn't doesn't have the foot traffic it used to, um, but it's not indicative of a sort of long term trend. So um, you know, in fact, before it had been getting better and better and better before before March. So um, you know, I don't. There's no need to sort of you know knee jerk and, mm-hmm. and start you know, changing prices willy-nilly and, um, you know, we'll, we'll review it at the end of the year. Well, I say at the end of the year. The, the castle's published at the end of the year, but the prices are reviewed constantly all the way through. So I think it will just be reviewed as normal. But there's been no sea change as such in, you know, overall. Yeah. The, the last thing I wanted to ask, you've been doing these videos for the Gibbons uh, YouTube page the last couple yeah, of months. Yeah. Yeah. What has the response been like to those? It seems like you're really, um, you know, trying to provide a service, helping people who maybe don't know what they have. Maybe they inherited something or they're dusting off their childhood album. Uh, you know, what sort of feedback have you gotten from those videos? Generally very good, um, actually. Um, it's, it's been very nice. A, a lot of the comments were um, to do with the lack of mic, but at the time we were in, <laughs> I mean, they're right. I mean, it, it was they were, they were filmed, you can tell just from my hair. That it was mega lockdown. I had, you know, I looked like a I looked like a stick of broccoli at the time. Um, you know, there was so we were we were, we were um, we were filming them pretty much on bare minimum in a small room. It was echoey at the time, but we knew we knew it was something we wanted to do. Um, they're going to get increasingly professional over time because people now can come into the business, um, and um, you know helpers you know we can we can do it safely now in a way that we couldn't before at the time uh, there were 
between four and six people in the office every day because it was literally bare essential staff who were filming them for the first ones. In terms of what we're trying to achieve with them, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of essentially really interesting things that we're we're all very passionate about in the company, and that generally, if we find very interesting, um, we we found the customers will as well, um, and also there's a sort of permanent record. Um, it was the funny the funniest one I've had is um, we had a cover in auction recently. Um, um, India used in Penang and um, I was uh, you can check it on stamp boards I was uh, I was berated for not wearing white gloves uh, <laughs> for holding the cover um, and it's such thin paper white gloves wouldn't even allow you to pick it up it's uh, <laughs> and I that's the other thing in, in, in a decade and I, you know a decade of working well more than that you know I've, I don't think I've ever seen a pair of white gloves I and mean, it, was, it was the funniest criticism you know this uh, yeah um, yeah you know using clean hands to, to handle a cup you know so it's funny um, but it, yeah the, rece- the reception from clients has been it's been very very good um, and what surprised me is um if you look at the views, um, I, I was, one of the ones that uh, the marketing team wanted to do was how to mount a stamp, you know, mounting and using guillotines and, you know, putting things on the page. And I thought, why is everyone, everyone knows that? And actually, <laughs> we've had so many questions of like, oh, I, I didn't use a guillotine or, you know, it, it has, people have actually found it helpful and things that, um, so I think we're going to do more on the sort of um, basics, you know, Stamps 101, just to get people uh, you know, slowly laddered up in terms of knowledge about the hobby and and how it works. And then, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's, it's just a wonderful tool. And um, seeing you know guys like Graham on on YouTube um, and uh, basically the more the more we can get out there on on, on YouTube in particular, because it is a very it's much more of a sort of tactile hobby. Um, and people realise it's um, you know putting it into almost 3D and telling people the history and the, the stories around and the history around the items is um, absolutely invaluable if we're ever going to get you know seriously new people interested in um, because if you just look at it as you know one stamp for this price you know it, it's not yes. saying this is why this is important and this is why this is interesting this is this is how this was printed, you know, the stories behind the items that we sell are what gives them their value. Um, and it's, uh, it's probably the best tool we've got of, of getting it out there. And I think, I think you'll see a lot more from us. Um, but the, the, <laughs> the only, the only thing I'd say is, you know, forgive us for the, the first four or five, cause they were, they were just done. Yeah. In the, with five people in the company, you know, I'm, I'm sat there, I'm, you know, filming almost on a mobile phone. It was, uh, <laughs> it was the best we could do at the time. But it was, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been, it's been good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've seen it because obviously we didn't know how, how popular they'd be or how many comments we'd get and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to know that they're being enjoyed. Yeah, well received. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. I'm looking forward to to more of those. Yeah. Yeah, there'll be a lot more for sure. Yeah, yeah.
Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining us. This has been great. Uh, you know, missed, uh, you know, was looking forward to seeing everyone in the UK seen at, at London 2020 this year. And, uh, you know, can't wait to, to see you again in person, but in the meantime, thank you for uh, joining us virtually. No, yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's really nice. And I, I love what you guys are doing. So I've been listening through the back ones. I liked Eric Jackson's one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Revenue buff myself. Yeah. His was really good. So. We're, we're, we're doing what we can to, uh, you know, undo the historical wrongs against, revenue collecting yeah well no you got it there's none on your side it's, it was all a sort of weird europe yeah. you do. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know it was weird it's this like weird i don't know yeah you guys are way ahead of us with revenues so uh, yeah no but thank you yeah, eric's eric's was uh it was fascinating i really well there's there's been loads loads of other good ones but um yeah keep yeah. it going we appreciate you joining us and uh yeah. uh look forward to making it back to the strand as soon as um you know yeah, borders, no. borders open up again yeah. yeah, you guys will always be welcome. And uh, yeah, I'll see you at a show as, as soon as we can. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye. Well, that was a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I, my, my experience with Stanley Gibbons, The Strand, um, I, I went there for the first time a couple of years ago. I was expecting just to walk out with maybe a, you know, $1 first day cover or, you know, a, a catalog, something cheap. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to get something cheap as a souvenir for my visit to the strand. And I'm standing there at the checkout counter. I, Olivia was with me, my girlfriend. Um, and she's had some again, cheap first day covers. I'm like, all right, I'm making it out of here without spending too much money. And then I swear they knew I was coming because <laughs> under the glass in front of the cash register, it had like spotlights on it. It was a penny black with the initial C E. <laughs> uh, they saw me coming a mile away somehow yeah. they knew my initials mm -hmm. um, and that ce penny black was right there and i thought if you're gonna buy a penny black yeah you should buy it at gibbons mm -hmm. and it has my initials and yeah. um they they Made with original gum only cost six six thousand pounds I, 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 luckily it was used it does have four <laughs> margins um it was one of the cheaper plates but uh yeah they they knew a sucker when they saw one um they've probably got a stack of every uh combination of initials in the back and they're like oh, this guy's name see slip it in um so that was my my uh treat to myself that was actually um the first time olivia and i had ever met so here i've known her for a grand total of about 24 hours and she's wondering why i'm spending so much on a little tiny piece of paper uh that's <laughs> 180 years old or whatever so that was uh you know she didn't she didn't leave me then i'd say that's a pretty good sign for things to come it's in glo a glowing endorsement of the hobby <laughs> it is it is it is but but again that was my first experience with gibbons um you know since then i'm uh, lucky to have gotten to know george uh, you know it shows at various things and it was really fun to catch up with him when uh, you know when we started kicking around this idea he was one of the people i i really wanted to talk to and i'm glad that we could make it work yeah yeah absolutely that um it was great to have him and it, it's fantastic what he's doing with the with the videos on stanley gibbons and the youtube channel and it's interesting to hear how they're they listen to what the people wanted and they're going in that direction. It sounds like it sounded like they, yeah. that they had a broad idea of what they wanted to do. And then they saw where they needed to go or where the people wanted them to go. And they're going to fill that, uh, that, that void. This was my favorite kind of interview too, because we simultaneously got George of Stanley Gibbons and George, the stamp collector. Yes. And I'm really glad that we both got him in his, you know, professional capacity mm -hmm. um as well as just you know he's he's a collector he's like like all of us so yeah it, 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 i i like when we can sort of um strip back the the um 
you know, the get, get past the title, get past his, his career and, and just talk to him as a fellow collector. It was a lot of fun. So, um, this was great. Uh, people can find us as always on YouTube, Apple podcasts, Spotify podcast, Google podcast, all the podcasts. podcasts. Flatlypodcast.com is the website Flatly podcast. And- I don't want to interrupt, but uh, I actually just went on philatelypodcast.com for the first time the other day. Oh, yeah? Uh, and I, think? Can, I can confirm the link uh, Link does work. That's great. That is, that is indeed our website for anybody who wants to check it out. So That's fantastic. If you saw a little spike in the hits, it went from zero to one viewer. <laughs> uh, that was me checking it out. <laughs> I think we've, we've, we've got a couple more than zero. <laughs> but um, no, it, yeah, I, I, I have not checked the analytics on that. But what we get e- we get emails. Uh, saying, and the email you know, like is philatelypodcast at gmail.com. For yeah, we get, e- reach we out get to emails us. there. If anyone wants to reach out to us, uh, we are pretty quick with the emails back to people sometimes. I haven't been so quick with the well YouTube comments. You can find out for yourself. Yeah, find out for yourself <laughs> hey, if I reply to your email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send, uh, send Michael a tweet. Um, and, uh, we, we, we really like the engagement. We really like hearing from you guys. Yeah. So, uh, so until next time, this is conversations with philatelists. That's very true. See you next time, Charles. See you, Michael. Bye.